0: Late breaking news this afternoon and surprising news, Penguins general manager Jim Rutherford is resigning from his position. Chara has room, he'll fire, he
1: scores! An absolute bomb! Big C, welcome to town.
0: Here's McDavid all the way,
1: scores! Did that just happen? Connor McDavid, coast
0: to coast. Hey, everybody, and welcome into another episode of Our Line Starts with Anson Carter. We are joined for the first time by Dominic Moore. Dom has the best setup in the business. Welcome, Dom, to Our Line Starts.
2: Thanks, Katie. You're, you're referring to my uh, microphone that I've got. Yeah. It looks like a eight ball or something.
0: Hey, <laughs> we got to jam him up. He can't come in as a rookie and have better equipment than all of us. Although he is <laughs> in a utility closet, so I'm a little concerned with his background.
1: That's <laughs> not Dom Moore, Katie. That's Bruce Buffer. It's time. It was in the UFC that's... fight or my man Michael Buffer. Let's get ready to rumble. <laughs> <laughs> That's what he does I am down
2: like. in storage basement B as, <laughs> as you could see in the background so I was a little concerned about the audio setup.
0: <laughs> I was going to ask you why are you in the utility closet but
2: <laughs> you know we got a newborn and so space is limited in our apartment and so you got to do what you got to do. I never got the hookup apparently I never got the
1: memo that <laughs> audio video equipment such as that and I'm like a four or five-year vet here at NBC Sports. Dom just gets here. It's part of the, what, Harvard School of Business package? Is that what it is? Is I'm
2: actually actually surprised the Wi-Fi is working down here in the storage (laughs) basement here. So if I go out, guys, you'll know why.
0: If we lose you, yeah, we'll phone phone a friend then and get somebody else on here. Well, Dom, welcome. It's fun to have you on. We have a a lot to talk about, guys. We were only a couple weeks into the season, and it seems like so many storylines every week that keep popping up. The big news last week, which was a surprise to everyone, centered around the Pittsburgh Penguins and the resignation of Jim Rutherford as general manager. Um, this is a general manager who has won three Stanley Cups, the back-to-back Cups with Pittsburgh. He has been the architect of so many great teams. He had a year left on his deal. And the team is performing well. One of the top teams in that Eastern Conference, uh, in that North Division so, guys, I'm just curious what exactly your thoughts were. Ace, I'll start with you when you heard this news, and can you give us some insight as to maybe why this happened?
1: First of all, KT, I was shocked because Jim Rutherford's a guy that has won, like you said, but he's also a guy that's willing to pass on his knowledge to other people. Look at his GM tree. Ron Francis going to Seattle. Tom Fitzgerald, New Jersey. Jason Botterill had a job recently in Buffalo. You've got Billy Guerin now in Minnesota. So he's not only an accomplished general manager, but he's also willing to take guys under his wing. And I think my perspective on Jimmy is a little bit different because he drafted me by the Detroit Compu when I was 17 years old, tried to get me to go to the OHL instead of going to college hockey. And he drove to my house. We're playing street hockey. And this car comes by. I forgot that we had an appointment for him to come to my house. This big white Cadillac pulls up on our street. We're yelling, car. We move out of the way. And this guy rolls his window down. He says to my brother, he goes, I'm looking, looking for Anson Carter. And my brother has no idea who this guy is. So he's like, is this the police undercover? Like, what's going on here? And he says he's right there. So he pulls up. He says, I'm Jim Rutherford, Detroit Compuware." And I was like, oh, snap. I had to run inside KT, shower, get ready. We met with them. Long story short, like, I've known him for a long time. And I'm so shocked that he was willing to step away at this point from his job as a Pittsburgh Penguins general manager.
0: Dom, I would imagine you were quite surprised as well, but, you know, you look at this Penguins team and, and um, you know, in the East division, they are having to deal with some significant injuries right now and competing with those teams. It is a tight division, but, you know, you look at the injuries right now and it's Ricola, Dumoulin, Matheson, uh, Pedersen. I mean, these are significant names in the Penguins lineup that are missing and now their general manager, you know, they're going to have interim general manager Patrick Alvin, uh with that interim tag. We'll wait and see if they hire a new general manager, but how do they overcome all these injuries in the midst of the changing of the guard, if you will, the general manager position, Dom?
2: Well, to be honest, it was the same thing for them last season where they had the injury bug hit them pretty hard with significant players. Um, and here it is again, not to mention, they were missing Caspery Casperi Kapanen uh, one of their new acquisitions, a very important player for the start of the season um you know with issues getting over to, to to join the team uh they've just been snake bit and they're in this weird position you know where they're not unlike where Chicago where they had to make this tough decision like our our, we've got some aging superstars who've won Stanley Cups um you know the support group around them though is in flux and you know it makes you wonder whether that question was maybe part of a potential disagreement internally that led to to Rutherford going. I mean, all we can do is speculate, but uh, they are going to have a significant challenge in a very challenging East division to make the playoffs. I I think given those injury bugs, you know, if I was a betting man right now, I would say they they probably will be on the outside looking in. Dom also too, with these injuries, it provides opportunities for young players.
1: I've been watching P.O. Joseph that came over from Arizona as part of that Phil Kessel trade. That was a deal that Jim Rutherford swung to try to rebuild that young defensive core. And he might not have gotten the opportunity if they hadn't had all these injuries, but he's played pretty well for the Pittsburgh Penguins, getting four assists and playing strong defensive hockey as well for Coach Sullivan.
2: Absolutely. And you're also looking for guys like John Marino to take the next step. You know, they committed to him long-term. He's a guy that they're, you know, hopefully going to be a pillar of their franchise for a long time. So you want to you have those guys develop under good circumstances, a winning culture. You, you want them to have the support where they can play their best and have success. And so this is a really important time for this team. And, um, you know, it, it's just one of those th- things where it's hard to be consistently great for a long time as, as this franchise has been. And uh, it'll be a challenge this season to pull that off.
0: Yeah, we're seeing that with the Chicago Blackhawks as well. Dom, you mentioned since you mentioned you're not a betting man, I'm gonna I'm gonna go to our next slide here as we take a look at the division odds in the East there, presented by Points Bet. And you look at the Washington Capitals, talk about dealing with some adversity here in the early growings of goings of the season. You know, they've had their fair share of COVID-19 issues, but they're still playing well. Ovechkin returned over the weekend and just lit it up. I mean, the guy's unbelievable, such a gamer, um, provided a spark for this team. And when you look at where they are in these points bet odds, you know, they aren't the favorite to win the East, but they're up there ahead of the Pittsburgh Penguins. What do you guys think about the Washington Capitals? Should they be considered the favorite in this division?
2: I mean, I think they're coming out really strong in large part to the coaching change. I mean, I think you look at Laviolette, he's a guy that has had instant success wherever he's gone some people have pointed to that that the success you know wanes a little bit over time and a little bit shorter shelf life there but he's a coach that uh, has done a phenomenal job when he's come to, come in and and kind of got teams to buy in and and they're truly doing that and you look they weren't afraid to add a vet you know veteran guys obviously it didn't work out with Henrik Lundqvist but You know, they went out and signed Zdeno Chara. They weren't afraid to take some aging guys and add them to that core of of players that they have. Uh, It's great to see that success. And it's still, you know, there's a long ways to go. But uh, I think they're surprising a lot of people in terms of being right at the very top. I think they were kind of a team that some people thought might be in a similar situation to Pittsburgh throughout the regular season where uh, they've got the, you know, the core superstars that are maybe getting a little older and how is the surrounding group going to play around them. But I think I give a lot of credit to, to Laviolette for, for getting this team off on the right foot.
1: Yeah, Laviolette's exactly what this team needed. You look at them play last year under their coach, Reardon, they took a little bit of a step back. There wasn't a sense of urgency in their game. And that's the one staple that Lavi has, the way he coaches. He wants you to play fast. He wants you to play in your face. He wants you to play hard. So that's what they needed. You know they're a close-knit bunch. They bring in Zdeno Char. And see that reaction of the bench when Big Z scored his goal? (laughs) It
0: was was awesome.
1: Right? It's like he scored his first goal in the National Hockey League career. It was (laughs) amazing watching the guys come around and celebrate. It reminded me of a a walk-off home run in baseball. And then the goaltending, that's what's really surprising the most. Vanacek's been good in the the minors, but you never know how that's going to translate in the National Hockey League. Everyone's talking about Samsonov, Samsonov. Well, Vitek Vanacek is the real deal. He's a legit goaltender, so when you put all those factors together, I still believe the Washington Capitals have a chance to come out of that conference, or that division, excuse me.
0: Yeah, when you look at that division right above them, though, I mean, would you put the Bruins and the Flyers ahead of the Capitals at this point?
1: I would, only because the Bruins have better goaltending. I still love Rask's game. I Mm -hmm. still love Halak as being that 1B, and they have a lot more depth than – the Capitals do. Plus, the Bruins still have to get healthy, too. Once Pasta gets flowing, gets his legs under him, I still like the depth of the Bruins. The Flyers, I like them, too, KT, but Carter Hart's taking a step back this year. I'm not quite sure.
0: He's still yeah, my on so disappointing, right, for Flyers fans to see but that. I
1: know, I know you like the Flyers. I know you love Gritty and all, but still, <laughs> I think the Bruins have the team to beat in that division.
2: I think, you know, you look at a team like the Islanders that had high expectations going into this, this season and, and they were off to a slow start by anyone's standards. I expect them to pick it up as the season goes on. And they lost two overtime games to Philly uh, the last two games. And, and, you know, Philly's a team that, you know, Alain Vigneault has been, you know, consistent, consistent all the years of his coaching in the regular season. He gets success and he did a lot. He proved it last year. Uh, he's doing it again this year. I think they still have issues five on five that they want to rectify. They they scratched Travis Connectney, one of their top players the other day to send a message internally within the group uh, that five on five, they need to be better. Um, they're getting good performances from guys like Fairby who had his first career hat trick last night. Um, they're a team I, I expect the Flyers to be in the, in the top three for sure. Uh, I expect the Islanders to rebound, you know, and that leaves Ace. I don't know where you see the rest of these teams shaking out, but, Buffalo, you know, they're a team that's playing a lot better, but it just may be you want a game of musical chairs where they don't make it in. Uh, the Rangers, again, they had expectations to, to do something and, and, you know, make strides this year, but it's been pretty much a disappointing start for them. Um, I'm just curious what your take is in terms of those teams that right now are on the outside looking in. I'd even throw New Jersey Devils in that mix
1: too. P.K. Subban, he's played a lot better this year. Lindy Ruff is just let him be, let him do his own thing. He's quieted his game right down. Ty Smith in the back end has been a nice surprise, you know, providing offense. But Jack Hughes, I'll never get sick and try to talk about Jack Hughes. First overall, the next American superstar. He looks like a totally different player. It's amazing what a year does. A year plus, actually, because he had even more training because of the, the pause that we had and not starting training camp on time. It's worked wonders for his game. And a player that I've always liked watching, too, is Miles Wood. He's physical, he's big, he's strong, and he's contributing now offensively. So it's going to be a battle every single night. But I think it's going to speed up the development of all these young players in the league too because now you're battling these same teams. It's going to up your compete level, whereas in previous years you might not see that team for weeks. This forces you now to get up to NHL speed with your compete and your battle because you're facing these teams on a regular basis so often.
0: Yeah, Yeah, Ace, I love that you mentioned Jack Hughes, because I mean, I just think it's such a great story. And it's a testament to the patience that teams have to have for, you know, not every number one overall pick is going to come in like a Sidney Crosby or a Connor McDavid and look like they've been in the league for years. I mean, most of them are. And Jack Hughes came from, you know, a USA development program. He was a superstar But the National Hockey League is a totally different beast, and he's an undersized player. He's going to grow into that role, of course, but I love seeing the evolution of him and what he's able to do and just his confidence. You know, he's always been a confident kid, but last year probably shook that a little bit. He was humbled by playing with with men versus, you know, college age and high school age players. So um, that's certainly one of the great storylines. But, you know, Dom, you mentioned the Rangers probably one of the not so great storylines right now you said you know they had high expectations and that has fallen short so far in the season you've got two goaltenders and Georgiev and Shea Storkin who are average at the moment not playing their best they're dealing with the Tony D'Angelo situation so a lot of struggles surrounding this Rangers team how do they overcome that Dom where do you see this team moving forward?
2: Well, first, I guess, you know, you mentioned the goalie situation. I think anytime you have a Hall of Fame franchise goalie that's been there for such a long time, leave the team, there's a vacuum there. And, and just mentally for those two guys to step into that role uh, and manage the expectations that way, I think will take time. Uh, you've got Benny Allaire, the longtime New York Rangers goalie coach. There's no one better than Benny to help guide those guys through that. But I think it'll take a little bit of time for them to settle in um you know taking the positives first I think looking at the positives you've got Adam Fox a guy who has just proved himself to be one of the top top offensive defensemen in the league now the way he's managing that power play um working off of Artemi Panarin, those two working together this guy is the real deal I had the chance actually to to skate with Foxy for the uh when he was still in college for four months when I in, in 2018, in the summer, in the fall, when I was still waiting for a contract, I skated with, with him and his teammates and got to know him really well. You know, people asked me at the time, NHL scouts and GMs were asking me about him. Um, and I just said simply, like, this guy plays like no one I've ever seen before. And he's such a unique player. And at the time, I was curious how it would translate. But he's doing it. He's proving everyone that he can do it at, at the highest level. Um, so that's one of the real positives for the Rangers. Um, Ke'Andre Miller has shown some great strides. I mean, he's, he's done some amazing things, and he's playing against the top players almost every night. So uh, that's another positive there. You know, I think it's just – it's going to take time for this team. Um, and Ace, I, I, I think they're not a playoff team, unfortunately, this year. I don't know what your take is, but that's how I feel at the moment. Yeah, it's going to be tough. I think if any team could use the training
1: camp – I thought the New York Rangers would have been that team. And you're talking to two goaltenders, Shesterkin and Yorgiev. Having a full camp under their belts would have certainly helped them. Shesterkin hasn't played a full season yet in the National Hockey League. Having all these young players, Kako coming back, having left Frenier's first year, having Keandre Miller his first year, it certainly would have helped those guys. I mean, before I go any further to the, the Rangers, though, it took you four seconds, Dom, to break down a fellow Harvard Crimson player. I was, I was waiting to see how long <laughs> it would take you to get into Adam Fox. It took you about four seconds to get in no there, way. But But
2: well, wait, I didn't even get to mention Colin Blackwell, who would play incredible <laughs> for you know, the Rangers in the three games before he got hurt last game. So, yeah, thanks for mentioning that.
0: <laughs> yeah, well, I was going to
1: mention him, too. And you're right, he did get hurt, but he's been unbelievable for the New York Rangers, too. Quite a find. But the Rangers are a team that, their bottom six is playing very well. Their young players are showing a lot of promise. Lafreniere scored his first goal recently. He should have three or four goals, by the way, if he was a snake bitten around the net. The problem with the Rangers right now is their top-end guys haven't gotten it going yet. Panarin finally scored in the power play. They've had a lot of chances around the net. They haven't had much puck luck. And Zibanejad hasn't been that same player that he was last year. Now, Mika wasn't feeling well coming into camp this year. and There could be some residual effects. Like, I don't want to speculate. But he hasn't had that same jump, that same pizzazz every single game. He'll show bits and pieces of it from time to time, but he hasn't done it consistently. And that's been the biggest problem with the Rangers is their top guys haven't been their best players.
2: For sure. And even a guy like Kreider, who's, you know, he's, he, every night you notice him, the speed, the, the physical presence that he has. I think you watch Ranger games and – you know, on a consistent basis, he's not as noticeable as, as he should be. And and that's you know, to what you're saying, those top guys have to be a force every single night. And What's you know what, Don?
1: Well, earlier too, you are talking about that, that void and that vacuum from Henrik Lundqvist not being there in net, but it's also the room, too. Like Hank was kind of like the facto captain there, the New York Rangers, when nobody is wearing the seat. So he set the tone for that team off the ice too. So not having him in there. There has to be someone that has to elevate their presence in the room to get guys to play at a certain level consistently night in and night out.
2: Absolutely. Absolutely. I think it's a bit of a leadership by committee at the moment, Um, you know, with guys like Truba and Panarin and, and Mika, as you said, being leaders of the team. But I think again, for them to step up and really feel like they have that responsibility, it might take a little bit of time for that to shake
0: out. So guys, what is the timeline for the Rangers? Because, you know, playing in New York, you both played there. Uh, There's a, there's a very short leash, I guess I would say, and the media gets on you. You've got all the New York papers watching this team. How long do we give this team to develop? We've been saying they've been in rebuilding for quite some time now. And Ace, you mentioned all those star top players that have to gel and without a training camp, but you know, at some point do we start to see maybe the head coach on the hot seat, maybe some players on the move. I mean, what, what do you make of this as to how long John Davidson's going to give it?
1: Yeah, I don't think you're going to see anything drastic happen this year. I think they're still in developmental mode. They're still going to have some time. And Coach Quinn is the guy right now, being a former college coach. He's used to developing young people and young players. So I don't think there's a pressing issue right now. Not having fans in the building certainly helps, too, because you don't feel that additional pressure. It's hard to play in New York City. There's a lot of high expectations, like you said. But they're also not going to lower the bar, lower the standard of work or consistency that's expected to take you to that next level. So I think they're going to be on that same path and making sure that they're holding players accountable. We're seeing that with Tony D'Angelo right now. They're making sure they're holding players accountable on a day-to-day biz- basis. And the young players can develop at their own speed. We can't lose sight of the fact that the Rangers are still a young team. And one thing they got going for them is they still play in New York. This isn't another market that isn't a destination for free agents or for players that want to come play there. So that's the one positive that the New York Rangers will always have, the one advantage they'll always have over some other markets.
2: And I think you know the days of contending for draft lotteries are behind them, and so things are changing in New York. And so, how much time is the question? But they they expect to be a contender soon. Um, the the luck came their way in the draft lotteries. I think we can't go without saying that. Um, and so those days are behind them, and now they've got to focus on building a contending team, and that starts with building a playoff team. And so that's kind of the next step in terms of the expectations around this franchise. And so if they fall short of that this year, they, it, there might be another window of opportunity to contend for a playoff spot next year. But you can't be a contender for a Stanley Cup without be first becoming a contender for a playoff position. And so if they continue to fall short of those expectations, uh, that market has, you know, clearly, uh, you know, they've got a short leash on, on their team. So expect things to change quickly. The ZDX has track-tested performance that packs an energy all its
0: own. Unlock the energy and order yours at Acura.com. All right, let's shift to the All-North Division, guys, because there are some video game-type stats coming out of Edmonton right now. I mean... It is incredible to see Connor McDavid and Leon Drysidle every night. They they never missed a beat. They are always superstars on the ice every single game, night in, night out. I mean, Drysidle with six assists against the Senators, it's insane. But you look at these two players compared to the rest of the team, and I wonder, are these two players capable of carrying the Edmonton Oilers to where they want to be? I mean, this is a team that has so much promise. Every year, Ace, we talk about them being – because of those two players being a contender for the cup. Can they carry the weight though, for another year? Like we saw last year in the playoffs,
1: it's going to be tough KT. This is hockey. It's not basketball. You know, the big two isn't <laughs> getting it down to the sport of hockey. It's just not going <laughs> to happen. They're going to be fun to watch. But I was talking to my brother about this yesterday. He lives up in Toronto. I was like, if they got solid goaltending, if they had better D, if they had a better bottom six, the Oilers would be a dangerous club. <laughs> and that's a lot of ifs. The one thing I do like about the Oilers right now is they turned around their power play. When I watched them play the first couple games of season, they thought that they could make their skill do all the work for them as opposed to taking advantage of what the other team gives you. That's all a power play has to do. You want to take advantage of what the other team does to you. You shouldn't say, well, hey, Dom's wide open over there. If I make a sauce over one guy's stick and I throw it between another guy's legs, he's going to tap in goal. Yeah, there's a lot of things that have to go right on that play in order for the happen, as opposed to passing it around and taking advantage of an opportunity that the PK might give you. So I like what they're doing from that standpoint. For the Oilers, I don't think they're deep enough. I love watching those two superstars play, but you need to get more from other guys in that team, and it's not happening on a regular basis for them, Dom.
2: The entertainment factor with these guys is through the roof. That's for sure. I mean, you look at that that end to end rush goal, power play goal from McDavid the other night. I think it was Saturday night. Uh, credit to Tyson Berry on the drop pass in the D zone. By the way, what an assist! <laughs> <laughs> but, but these guys are fun to watch. And uh, but when you look at the, I was looking at the, some of the data the other day, and the North Division, I think goals per game. is like a full goal above all the other divisions and that's not even counting the 8-5 game last night I don't think that's playoff type hockey ace and I think you know for them to be uh, to meet their expectations they're going to have to find a way to play tighter defensively that doesn't seem to be their style at the moment they're still going to win a lot of hockey games throughout the year with that amount of superstar talent up front but you know, it's it, time will tell. But um, for that team, they've got to make strides collectively as a group, as you mentioned. And right now, there's too many ifs.
0: Mm-hmm. Ace, you mentioned your brother up there in Toronto. I'm curious, what's uh, what's the pulse in Toronto right now around the Leafs? What's he saying? Hey,
1: everyone there, well, it's kind of wait and see with the Leafs, but they're pumped about the North Division. Period. To see these Canadian teams going head to head because there's a different energy in the city when Canadian teams are in the building. And when I played in Edmonton and we played against Canadian teams, the whole city was like drinking at 9 o'clock in the morning, getting fired <laughs> up. Same thing when I played in Vancouver, too. So my brother said, even though people are locked down in their homes in Toronto, there's still that buzz watching television, watching these teams go head-to-head. And it's still a wait-and-see approach when it comes to the Maple Leafs. No one really cares about the regular season how they do. Fans there in Toronto want to see the Leafs play in the playoffs. It's all about the postseason or bust as far as fans in Toronto are concerned.
2: Yeah, Ace and I are both the greater Toronto area, uh, you know, GTHL grads. So, uh, you know, watching the Leafs this season, a little bit of a shaky first few games, but they're starting to hit their stride. Unfortunately, injury to Joe Thornton, but I actually think that allowed the Austin Matthews uh, line to take off with putting uh, Zach Hyman back with them, who I think is a better fit for that line. They needed someone to dig pucks out of the corner and get it to the playmaker, uh, Marner. And then they got the finisher in Matthews. So I think Matthews has five goals, um, you know, since since Thornton went out. Um, so I think, you know, they're a team that will hopefully find the right mix in terms of their line combinations. And, and as the season goes on, hopefully tighten up defensively and be a contender in the playoffs as, as everyone in Toronto hopes they'll be.
0: What are you guys hearing? I know you guys stay in touch with a lot of players around the league and you get your information from many different sources. What are you hearing about this season? How different it is? How guys are managing the back to backs, the constant grind of playing the same team eight times? Uh, That obviously can weigh on you as well. Just that rivalry. And you know, you're seeing the same players on the opposing team every night. What are you guys hearing as far as players and how they're balancing this season? That's so unique.
2: One of the things that I've, you know, I've been hearing is that, you know, you look at Colorado, Minnesota, they're playing each other four times in a row, um, you know, and you'd expect there to be more shenanigans as the, as the kind of series, playoff series type format goes on, but you're not seeing that much of it. And I think part of it is that there's so many games and so, so little time, you can't afford to kind of waste valuable energy on stuff that has no, you know, out, you know no determinant on the outcome of the game. So you're seeing... Teams really focused on results, focused on conserving energy. Um, and then players, you know, in their off days, yeah, they can't, they can't really go out of the hotel and, and get out, but they, they're playing four games a week usually, and they really need to put their feet up and rest and, and focus on recovery. I think a lot of guys are telling me that it's all about injury preve- prevention, especially early in the season.
1: Yeah, I'm also hearing the same thing about being on the road. A lot of players I talk to, Say it's a lot easier to play at home and try to have some success. They say playing on the road is tough because you can't leave your room at all. You're ordering room service, and that's really it. So mentally, it's more taxing to be on the road than it is playing at home. So a lot teams, a lot of teams, they think, would get more points as they're playing at home as opposed to playing on the road. I spoke to the referee, Wes McCauley. Wes and I go way back. Wes is our captain at Michigan State, so go green. There you go, Dom. I can put my Michigan State Spartans on front street there but Wes said the interesting thing this year is he, the guy's been playing hard but the difference between this year with fans he goes I can hear everyone chirping on the bench now <laughs> so before great. you'd wait for a guy to escape by to give you the business now we can hear guys in the bench giving it to him all night long too so it's like he's got supersonic spidey hearing <laughs> and he can hear everything from the bench so he said I thought I was a much better referee until this year. Now I realize I'm a brutal referee from all the comments that guys are giving me on the bench all the time during the game.
2: (laughs) (laughs) I'm sure Kevin Hayes are not, not, you know, pulling any punches, (laughs) letting them know from the bench in a fun way, of course. But Wes has the sense of humor to roll with it, as we all know. And, And another Toronto boy as well, Wes McCauley.
0: Yes, he is. You guys were talking about that all North Division, the all Canadian teams playing one another, and I it kind of got me thinking. Like, would you guys have liked to play in this kind of a divisional setup back in the day? I mean, I know that the answer is yes if you were playing for one of the Canadian teams, but what do you guys think? Would you have wanted to play in a situation like this?
2: For, for me, the answer is no. And and Ace, I'm sure you remember some days in the minors when, when you did play a little bit more of a schedule like this, where you played divisional rivals sometimes like nine, ten times. And, and I think as a player, you want the variety, even if it involves a little more travel or whatever. Uh, I think you want the variety. You see different opponents. Uh, it breaks up the schedule um, to have that variety. And so for me, it's a pretty clear answer that it wouldn't be ideal. But you know, this is the reality we're in right now. And it, it, it presents its own set of, you know, entertaining parts of it as a fan though, for sure.
1: Yeah, I would say no. I mean, I look forward, when I played in the East. I used to look forward to that Western Canada trip. I used to love it. It was so much fun. You're on the road to the boys for like 10 days. You're playing Canadian markets where the fans are crazy or that West coast swing. You're in Boston. It's, Minus five degrees, can't wait to get to California, sit by the pool, hang out and chill in Anaheim or San Jose. I love being on the road, just getting away for a little bit, being around with my teammates. So not being able to do that and hang out, it would drive me crazy. So I'm giving it a hard no also.
0: <laughs> okay, love it. Um, Dom, I guess I probably should have asked you off the top, but I we kind of got right to it. But, um, you know, you're a TV guy now. You've had a couple chances to come on and to be a part of our broadcast team. I want to get your thoughts on you know, any maybe surprises the first show you did or what you think of it so far?
2: Well, to be honest, it's been so much fun. Um, you know, a lot of it is the the camaraderie from you guys, and you guys have been making it fun and, and making it easy on me. So thank you for that. Uh, I'm looking forward to getting back in the studio tomorrow. Um, obviously, I'm a guy, you know, my career it was, was always focused on what can I do to be better. So I think I'll continue to do that with this new craft and, and always looking at for ways to improve. So um, if you guys have some feedback, other than my technical audio uh, <laughs> capabilities, <laughs> let me know.
0: We'll take care of your technical audio and see. You <laughs>
1: and, you, and you've learned already, Dom, too, like nothing is off limits when it comes to our crew. I think that's what makes working with everyone so fun that we're, we're allowed to have fun with each other. We don't take each other seriously. We understand and we realize that the game is the star. We're not the star. People aren't tuning in to watch us. So why not just have fun and sit back and you know enjoy everyone's company? Absolutely. Yeah,
0: you got it. We have fun uh, breaking down the game. And then when that light goes on, we're ready to do this TV thing we do. So, well, it's fun to have you, Dom. Of course, we'll look forward to, Many more shows with you. Um, you guys, there's another big game coming up this weekend. I don't know if you've heard about it. It's in Tampa. It involves two superstar quarterbacks. I'm talking about the Super Bowl, of course. Um, I want to get your guys' predictions. The Chiefs and the Bucks, you got Brady and Mahomes. I mean, people are going to be glued to the TV set on Sunday watching this game. It's got so many great storylines. And I mean, I just love the fact that for the first time, of course, we had to get to a pandemic to get the first team ever. To have a home team hosting the Super Bowl, it's a shame that they can't have more fans there. But um, what do you guys have if you were a betting man? What who do you have on this game? Ace started off.
1: Man, first of all, I'm not a big Super Bowl guy, but I could see myself down in Soho just hanging out, and Mick Ditton's <laughs> just chilling down there in Tampa Bay. Like I wish that this was going off. I know there's a couple of good salons down there too that have been known to you know have nice ice cold beverages. So. <laughs> I'm mad that we can't go there and participate in the Super Bowl. However, it couldn't be better having Brady versus Mahomes. Like, are you serious? Tom Brady the GOAT and you have Mahomes back in there again? I'm going to say Patrick Mahomes wins this one. KC Chiefs in a blowout. I'm going to say
0: 37-10. A blowout. Wow. That's that's incredible. I would not have guessed that from you, Ace. What about you, Dom? What are you looking for? You're, you're a New England guy. You've been cheering on Brady for a long time.
2: Yeah, I've had Brady in our backyard here for a long time, and and I honestly love rooting for the older guys. I mean, I played until I was almost 40, so I, I can understand what it's like rooting for guys like like Brady and Zidane Ochara, who continue to play at that level. And so I'd like to see him win, but I actually think that Mahomes is just he's, – he's so dynamic. He's too tough to stop. And so uh, I think I'm probably in the prediction mode, I'm with Ace, that the, the Chiefs will – win their second straight Super Bowl.
0: Yeah, I think I'm with you guys too with the Chiefs, but it's going to be, I mean, so awesome to see Love or hate Brady as a as a fan, whatever team you root for I mean what the guy's been able to do throughout his career as you mentioned the goat I mean we're witnessing one arguably the greatest of all time if you put him in you know if you think he is um and it's just I love seeing things like that I love witnessing you know sports history we're gonna have kids and grandkids and great gang, grandkids ask us about this one day and sitting here watching him and I think it'd be awesome if he won the Super Bowl just to give him you know, I'd be very curious if he wins it if he retires um, that would be interesting to me but Anyway, fun game
2: to watch. Styles will be fun to watch. And I, and I think it'll be a closer game than, than Ace is predicting, or at least I'm hoping. <laughs> Listen,
1: he clearly doesn't
2: watch our hockey broadcast. If he watch hockey, he'd be like, you know, that TV thing's pretty fun.
1: Why am I <laughs> playing football anymore? I, should, I can be in the TV broadcast. He clearly doesn't <laughs> watch what we're doing here. So he's enjoying what he's doing. I'm amazed to see a player like himself continue to do it at a high level. He clearly loves the game. Cause I knew when I was finished, I was done. And It was all about preparing. It wasn't playing the game; it's the preparation, the offseason grind, getting my body in shape. So that's my new. Mentally, I checked out, and I wasn't willing to put myself through that. So the fact that Tom Brady's able to do what he's doing and prepare himself physically, man, I'm, I'm blown away by
2: it. Hey, one thing though, in the TV, you wake up a little less sore from the night before. That's <laughs> and and you still get to get your pregame
0: naps too. <laughs> well, some of us do, Anson Carter. <laughs> blows my mind you still got a pregame map nap in every day i don't know if erica approves of that back home but uh maybe that's why you milk it when you come to the studios
1: exactly Uh, i'm building i'm building a couple extra travel days just because of that (laughs) yes
0: well it's been fun catching up uh you guys and talking hockey and uh we'll look forward to continuing it in the studio but that's going to wrap things up for our, our line stars. But before we go, a bit of business to take care of. And the greatest show on grass returns as golf's biggest stars head to Phoenix for the Waste Management Open. Always a fun tournament to watch. Coverage begins tomorrow on Golf Channel. And don't miss the premiere of NBC Sports Edge Betcast, a whole new way to watch golf. You can get a better view with insights and analysis plus live odds powered by PointsBet. Get inside the action at PeacockTV.com slash golf. And we'll see you next time for an all new episode of Our Line Starts.